sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159. The Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with Rob Vino. Last week, I had new guys on. I wanted fresh voices. Hey, it's summertime. You got to get, and you have to keep always looking for new talent. And I thought we did two pretty good shows uh, with a couple of guys that weren't true veterans. This week, I got true veterans on Rob Vino, who was uh, a legend in this business when I got started 25 years ago uh, on today's show. We're going to break down the world of Major League Baseball as we approach the All-Star break. We're going to talk about how we approach the mid-portion of the season, which teams we can make money with, which teams we can't, starting pitching, bullpen. Rob Vino is always good for a detailed discussion on MLB. But before I bring Rob into the mix... I want to talk about some of the teams that I've been paying attention to and what I like to do around this time of year when it comes to Major League Baseball. Look, you look at the standings right now and you see a bunch of good teams that aren't necessarily playing good baseball. Um, Let's talk about uh, the San Francisco Giants are a prime example right now of a team with a good record that people are still thinking very positively about. The San Francisco Giants have played bad baseball for months. And the betting markets have been slow to react. Look, this is a team that won 107 games last year. All right, I get it. And they started out this year with a big, uh, you know, I think they started 13-5 and to open the season this year. Since that 13-5 and open to the season, Giants are seven games under 500. Okay, that's not good. It's barely mediocre. I mean, that's, you know, Arizona's nine games under 500 right now, for, to give a, uh, an example of that. The Marlins are three games uh, below 500 right now. Texas is six games. Well, since that opening salvo, San Fran's seven games under 500. All right. But the betting markets look at this team. They won 107 games last year. They got off to a good start, they've had a winning record. When a team like the Giants goes in the tank, man, it takes a while for the betting markets to catch up. And you read the quotes coming out of the locker room. You know, Carlos Rodon off a loss. Something needs to change. I think we're playing really bad baseball. Gabe Kapler, the manager. We have a lot of work to do. We aren't playing our best baseball. Yeah, we know that. There's money to be made betting against teams like San Francisco right now. What about the Blue Jays? How about the Blue Jays since mid-June, okay? They lose two out of three to the Orioles. They lose two out of three to the Yankees. They lose two out of three to the White Sox. They lose two out of three versus the Brewers. And they get a little hot streak. They take two out of three with the Red Sox and the first two against Tampa. Huge homestand. But then they lose the last three versus the Rays. So they lose that five-game series against Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay. The doubleheader on Saturday, then on Sunday. Then they flew out to the West Coast and lost. Bang, bang, bang. Toronto's playing bad baseball right now. Okay? The betting markets are still looking at the Blue Jays as an elite team, and maybe they'll get there. But right now, here in the middle of the summer, if you're betting against San Francisco, who is, again, supposed to be a good team, but they're not right now. Their season-long stats say they are. They still have a positive run differential, still have a winning record, but they're not a good team right now. Toronto, season-long stats are great. 
Okay, positive run differential, winning record. But right now, the Blue Jays are playing consistent losing baseball. And those are the teams I'm looking for at this time of the year. Teams like the Blue Jays, like the Giants. I'm going to talk about two more here in just a second. But the concept is this is a team that the markets think is a good team. But they're not playing good baseball right now. And look, Toronto may go on a monster run. But they're not right now. Okay, San Fran may go on a monster run. But they're not right now. You know, they've lost, the Giants have lost, what, like eight times in the last two weeks as chalk. Okay? <laughs> I mean, what about the Padres? You know, a team that San Fran's going against this weekend. The Padres have been consistently mediocre or worse for the better part of the last couple of months. They're not playing winning baseball at all right now. And yet, you look at the season-long numbers, 12 games over 500, positive run differential. You know, there's still an enormous amount of betting support for the Padres who have won three of their last ten and losing consistently as chalk and not hitting the baseball at all right now. And let's not forget the Mets. You know, the Mets have played 500 baseball over the last couple of weeks. What, 7-7 seven and seven, uh, in their last uh, 13 ball games? It's not like the Mets are killing everybody right now. And, of course, with the Mets, with Scherzer back in the lineup, with DeGrom uh, heading back as well, you know they're going to be priced like big favorites all the time. 5-5 five and five their last 10. I think there's money to be made betting against the New York Metropolitan. So you look at all these teams, you say, wow, the Mets are in first place. You know, Uh, These are all teams with winning records that aren't playing great baseball. They're not the only ones. I mean, the Guardians are a team that got off to a hot start. The Guardians aren't any good. The market has started to catch (laughs) catch up to them. But Cleveland, an easy team to fade right now. And for all this, hey, let's find this team to back. Let's find that team to back. At this time of year in MLB, I'm far more interested in finding teams to fade, to bet against, and to bet against consistently, or to bet against in a particular role. You know, we talked about the A's at home, betting against them over and over again at home, and uh, that may may have come and gone uh, already for Oakland, but there are other opportunities to take advantage of. Again, Rob Vino coming up after the break. Rob and I will tell us which teams we're looking at to bet on and which teams we're looking to bet against here during the summer months when coverage continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM at Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I always enjoy getting to spend extended time with Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Rob's a guy who pretty much year-round. Do you take vacations, Rob? Like, I'm taking the next couple of weeks off here over the All-Star break. But I swear, it's like, I don't know that you, do you actually, like, take a break from capping at any point during the year? Because it sure seems like you're going 24-7, 365. You know what? I'm going to take one, Teddy. And it probably comes at a time when I shouldn't. But because of the wager talk meet and greet in late August, um, I'm going to use that 
with my wife uh, as an extended stay to visit some friends in Las Vegas. So yeah, that'll be my vacation. It'll end, uh, I think that's week zero of college football season, right? The 27th of August. So uh, it'll end yeah. that night, be back home and, and ready for um, ready for football season. But I'll have to prep a little bit early for that week zero in order for me to take a couple of days off to come out there. Sure, sure. It's one of those scenarios where uh, as you start getting into August, taking time mm. off gets real dicey. <laughs> you know, July, you can get away with it. All-star break, obviously, that's why I'm taking my break right here. I try to plan uh, my vacations around various all-star breaks. The NBA all-star break is the first. Uh, uh, after this, it'll be the next break that I take. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting out of Vegas uh, for a little while. It's supposed to be 110 uh, all week. <laughs> that's no joy in Mudville when it's 110. Uh, here in Las Vegas, it's you know every bit as bad as winter uh, back east, uh, maybe worse mm-hmm. because at least winter back east you get the sunshine sometimes, and uh, here it doesn't cool off at night. <laughs> it's still a hundred degrees at midnight. So Rob, uh, enough with the small talk, man. They don't want to hear us chit chat. Yeah. They want to hear us break down teams and games and all of that. So uh, at the Open, I talked about four teams that I've been looking to bet against, all teams with winning records, all teams with positive run differentials, and all teams playing mediocre or worse baseball right now. The Toronto Blue Jays, the San Francisco Giants, the San Diego Padres, and the New York Mets. The Blue Jays are in the midst of a nasty stretch. The Giants and Padres have both played bad baseball of late. The Mets have played 500 baseball over the course of the last couple of weeks, and they're big favorites in just about every ball game. Are there any of those four that stand out to you as being a, a, a team you definitely want to be betting against as often as you can right now? Or is any of those four stand out to you as, hey, maybe you tap the brakes, this isn't a team to fade, uh, despite their current struggles? It's not going to last very long. Toronto, San Fran, San Diego, and the New York Metropolitans. Those four teams in particular, Rob. Uh, give me a team you like out of the bunch to bet against, and give me a team that might be getting better. Well, the fade team for me, Teddy, would be San Francisco. I just think what happened in San Francisco last year was such a mirage, and we see the same results not coming forth this year. Uh, almost the same personnel. I know there's a couple differences, no Kevin Gaussman, et cetera, et cetera. But um, and the Giants just, uh, the winning, their winning ways from last year just didn't seem like they would continue into this year. And they're not. They're an average team. Um, I even, in fact, wondered somewhat, and I know they're not this way, they're not of this mentality, but I wondered a little bit if heading into the trade deadline, they fall even further behind the Dodgers, what they consider being sellers. We'll see. But I think the fact that, you know, the other night Logan Webb can pitch as well as he can and can't win a game, it speaks volumes of the giant offense at this point in time. So for me, they would be the play against. Um, the Only a bump in the road team, the team that I would not want to get in front of is probably the Mets. I, I like a lot about the New York Mets. And certainly down the road, uh, Max Scherzer already is back. But when Jacob DeGrom comes back, they just become so formidable as far as the playoffs are concerned. But I think as we speak right here in this uh, little segment of games, I think I would probably fear playing against the Mets a little bit, but I wouldn't mind playing against San Francisco whatsoever. Yeah, and and the reason the Mets are on that list for me is not because I think the Mets are going to have a losing record from here on out. 
it's because you're going to be laying two dollars <laughs> uh, on the Mets and two fifty and three dollars on the Mets when Scherzer and Degrom are pitching, uh, and I think those prices will be a little bit too high to actually make money betting on the Metropolitans on a game in game out basis. But uh, I'm sorry to bring you out. I, I didn't even send you any of those questions. I'm just talking about what I was talking about in the open and bringing you in. Let's get into some of the stuff that I sent you that I know you're prepped for because we're halfway through the MLB season. You know, we just finished the, uh, you know, th- this past week, most teams crossed the 81 game barrier. Um, when you talk about this time of the year, this portion, midsummer, just before the All-Star break and then coming out of the All-Star break, just after the All-Star break, I want your thoughts on how to approach mid-season MLB. Do you lay more chalk in the summer months? Do you lay more run lines in the summer months? Do you play more overs in the summer months? Or is it really, from a meta perspective, you're not making a whole lot of changes? You know, just handicapping one game at a time through the card day in, day out. Um, So, in general, are are there changes that you make to your approach at this time of the year? Or is it, you know, just steady as she goes? Your approach is your approach regardless of whether it's early season, mid-season, or late season. You know what? For the most part, it's business as usual, Teddy. I would think that of those categories, um, the totals are the ones that maybe change the most for me in the summer months for obvious reasons, right? The weather change, the summer uh, weather just seems to breed run scored, so uh, you tend to play a few more overs. Odds makers are wise to that as well. I think that earlier in the season with the um, rash of unders that Major League Baseball was filled with the first couple of months, maybe we got away with a little period of time where the adjustments weren't made quick enough, but odds makers do adjust to summer totals. And even still, you know, a game that's lined at nine, nine and a half, um, in the summer finds its way to 12 or 13 just because of the weather in certain areas of the country, especially when you're talking about Arlington, Texas, uh, when you're talking about how to play the winds in Chicago, maybe even unders when you're talking about summers in San Francisco. So I think that totals are where the most, uh, maybe the you know, biggest change comes at this point of the year. But as far as run lines, I'm generally a run line player anyway. So I don't do very much uh, different where that is concerned. And as far as chalk or underdog plays, um, I think when we get to September, I can leave this a little bit. And I think you're probably the same way. When we get to September, the teams that are younger and are aggressively seeking victory and are huge underdogs, I think you try to find one. It's not easy to find two, but if you can find one, And I know you yourself have found one early here in the Baltimore Orioles. But if you can find a team like that that's going to play real well at underdog price in September, um, you can usually ride one of those to pretty big profits at that time of year. Yeah, I love playing dogs in September. But when it comes to July and August, I'm all about the chalk and I'm all about the streaks. Uh, It's that Uh, time of the year in MLB, and uh, you know I've had, I shouldn't say I'm all about the chalks. I've had uh, pretty good success uh, betting some underdogs in recent weeks. I had a nice streak of five uh, plus price winners in a row last week, so I should say it's all chalk at this time uh, of the year. But the concept for me, the 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 dogs I'm playing are dogs that are going against some of these false favorites that I'm talking about. The teams that have gotten off to good starts but playing mediocre baseball. I've made money betting against the Giants. I've made money betting against the Padres. I've made money betting against the Blue Jays uh, in uh, recent weeks. And you can catch you know, betting against those teams at underdog uh, prices. 
But in general, this time of the year, Rob, I'm you know comfortable laying a run and a half uh, a lot of times. But you talk about the totals, and I want to bring this up. Look at Friday's card. Look at yesterday's card in MLB. All right, mid-July, Friday night. One game lined higher than nine runs out of 15 on the MLB card. So that's telling us that, yeah, the markets have adjusted these totals at a meta level. They've been adjusted downward. Uh, and if you find these matchups, you find these weather conditions you can take advantage of over the course of the next few months. Yeah, yeah, I think there is some money to be made betting at least some of these teams over the total, particularly Rob Vino, the teams with bad bullpens. We're going to talk about some bad bullpens coming up next. Teams that you can fade with a bad pen. More with Rob Vino after SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yeah, I mean, the bumper's got it right. Don't miss anything from our programming. Go to Twitter. Follow us at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio, and stay informed all day long. You'll see clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow today's guest, Rob Vino, on Twitter at Rob Vino, V-E-N-O, Rob Vino Sports uh, on Twitter. Rob, before the break, we were talking about a general approach for MLB over the back half uh, of the campaign. Now I want to talk about some specific teams, and you mentioned two of them right before the break. Uh, you know, the one thing I've gotten, I've gotten two things right in baseball this year. I knew that I expected the A's to be awful and be particularly awful at home. That's made me money. I thought the Orioles were liver than they've been in years, and that's made me money. A's awful, Orioles good. Can we expect this to continue moving forward, or is it time to tap the brakes maybe on betting against Oakland in every home game and betting on Baltimore every time they're uh, they're road dogs? I wouldn't think so, Teddy. I mean, Oakland is you know going to be part of the seller's market in July, so anything that they have of veteran quality that another team can use will leave that team, and it's almost you know it, it's. Since the year 2000, when Moneyball came out, and Oakland's been able to survive these things, um, personnel turnover. But right now, they're not able to survive it this season. The personnel just isn't what they've been, um, you know, breeding in the minor leagues. And I don't see any reason why they would get better uh, second half of the season. And I don't know why Baltimore would get worse. Baltimore has actually been prepping for this for a few years, right? It's... Um, not exactly trust the process, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers famous mantra, but it's somewhat like trust the process. They went from a really good playoff World Series competitor, or at least in competition for a World Series spot, and, and to a doormat of the AL East and the entire American League. And now the, the youth is rising, and I don't see any reason why you want to play against the Orioles, especially since I don't think the odds makers have caught on to Baltimore yet. You know, the odds makers will never adjust until the public money adjusts that way. And nobody really with a public $50 wants to run to the window in the Baltimore right now. It's only sharps uh, that are following baseball every single day and betting significant money. So I think both of those stay the same. 
Now, uh, so let me ask you particularly about the A's because the A, the 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 it looks now nothing's been approved, nothing's a done deal, but it looks now like Oakland is much more likely to get the new stadium built than mm-hmm. a few weeks back. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, Fourth of July, you know, the A's have a huge crowd, and they're talking about, wow, we actually have fans. It was fun. Uh, and they followed up with another uh, victory. Is there a chance that, you know, not that Oakland is going to be drawing on a nightly basis, but, you know, that was the deadest ballpark in MLB, you know, deader than Tampa's, deader than Kansas City's, deader than anybody's uh, for the first half of the campaign. And if there's a little bit more excitement in that ballpark, could the A's potentially offer some value after the break? Or no, <laughs> let's just bet against them at home all year. Yeah, they could have a fireworks show every night, and maybe they fill that stadium up. Um, no, I just I don't think the talent is there right now. Now, that being said, new stadium usually means newfound money, and maybe they can do some things. But as far as this year's group is concerned, and I'm not one that digs real deep into double-A, single-A to see what they have coming up at the really low level. So I don't know what they're going to be like or what they'll look like in September. Um, But I see no reason to bet Oakland. They've even had some decent pitching performances out of a couple of guys uh, this year from a starter's perspective. And, you know, it still hasn't really helped. So I can't get behind the A's. I could certainly get behind the Orioles. I think that uh, they're just two teams going in different directions right now. Yeah, so let's talk about I wanted to talk about some of the losing teams, all right? There's so much okay. mainstream media. You know, all you hear is the Yankees and the Astros and the Mets and, you know, the Dodgers. I want to talk about the bad teams because over the second half of the campaign, I'm telling you, you want to make money, you find a bad team that's going to play good baseball. And there'll be dogs every game, and if they play 500 ball, you'll make a fortune. On the other hand, there's going to be bad teams that are going to go 20 and 50 in their first 70 games, you know, in their next 70 games, and you can make a fortune betting against those teams. So while the spotlight is on the good teams, I want to talk about some of the bad teams, some of the teams at 500 or worse. And let's run through some of these squads. All right, Uh, the Royals. What do we do with Kansas City or Detroit? Let's say the two underachievers from the AL Central. Is there money to be made on or against either one of these squads? Do you think uh, there's anything to like? Or are these fade number one and fade number two continuing, especially with Scoobles' recent struggles for the Tigers? Yeah, I think Kansas City, Teddy, I would lean more towards total plays. I think they're an over team um, the rest of the way out. It's an offense that is capable, has shown – to be capable on um, and during certain stretches. Now, if Whit Merrifield gets traded from there, that certainly is a possibility and certainly something that would hinder them. But they've got that young group led by Bobby Witt Jr. where I was in that stadium about a month ago for a day game, and they do have some rising talent. Um, but I think I would look at them more from totals than sides. The Detroit Tigers, um, you know, just listening to a Javi Baez uh, interview the other day, they seem to believe that they can get back into this thing. Um, some injury setbacks he cited that have slowed them down a little bit, uh, but they're currently on a small winning streak here. Uh, so maybe Detroit can get back into it. I don't know that I could, you know, all the young pitching that they've touted in the starting rotation, 
hasn't really come to fruition yet. So I don't know if I could get behind it. What I can get behind is their bullpen. I mean, with a lead, they're a pretty good lockdown team at the end. Gregory Soto sewing things up at the end. So maybe Detroit sidewise more than Kansas City. Kansas City more totals wise. I think one that I would have my eye on just to pick one out for myself is the Arizona Diamondbacks. I just feel like Arizona is a team where you can probably make some money. To me, that young group is really beginning to play better with Alec Thomas, with uh, Rojas and those guys, and they probably make a couple of moves at the deadline. You probably see David Peralta go. You probably see Madison Bumgarner go. They get a little bit younger. They've got too many outfielders already, so Peralta probably will go. But Arizona's a 37 and like 46 or something ball club. And remember the miserable losing streak they had last year. They haven't suffered through that this year. And only nine games um, under 500 or so, I think, is a pretty good sign that second half of the year they could be real competitive. I like Brent Strom, the pitching coach hire there. Uh, working with some of these guys. You know, you look at overall numbers and you say, Rob, they're not that good of a pitching team. What are you talking about? But you can see little things in that staff where they have gotten a little bit better. So I think maybe for me, of all of them, the Arizona Diamondbacks, I don't know, would you consider Miami a losing baseball team, Teddy? Um, Maybe Miami, but the problem with them is that when you get Alcantara or Lopez on the hill, Generally, even at home, you're going to lay price. They're just priced as, you know, better than the team is. So I don't know that you can make a lot of money with the Marlins, but they are, or they do have the second-best record against NL Eastern Division teams behind the Mets to show you how good they can be. Well, let's talk about uh, – let me talk about Arizona in the first, all right, because I'm mad at yeah. Arizona. I had Arizona twice <laughs> this last week. And both times, you know, I even got the gem, or not the gem, but at least a quality start from Keuchel. And then the D-backs couldn't hit uh, Colorado's bullpen, uh, which, you know, everyone hits Colorado's bullpen, but not uh, Arizona. And then the game before that, was the, uh, I had my game in San Francisco when the bullpen uh, gave up, what, five runs in the last two innings uh, to blow that lead as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little miffed with the D-backs right now. Nonetheless, a couple of wagers this past week isn't going to change my long-term perspective on Arizona. I'm with you uh, on the concept of that team being a little bit better uh, than advertised. When it comes to the Marlins, we got to, I guess, take a take a take a step back, take a, 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 a cool off on the Marlins. There's two concepts with Miami, and one you brought up so clearly: the wise guys love this team. Okay, the wise guys are betting the Marlins game in, game out. In particular, you talked about two starters that are getting, uh, you know, Alcantara and Lopez, who are getting consistent and significant wise guy uh, support every time they're on the hill. You talked about their record against the NL East, but look a little closer. What Miami has done is they've done what they had a dozen meetings against Washington. I think they're 11 and 1 in those games. And in all their other games, against every team that's not the Nationals, they're like 14 games under 500. So um, that, to me, is a concern, two concerns about the Marlins. They feasted on Washington and lost to everyone else, and the wise guys paying a little bit too much attention to that team. Any thoughts on what I just said, Rob? we got about a minute before the break. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Sandy Alcantara is a guy, Teddy, every time his name shows up on the card, I find a way to play him somehow, some way. I don't know. 
five inning full game team total strike something involving him because he's that good at this point in time he's a rarity because he goes deep into games so you don't have to fear the bullpen that much um but you, you're right you, you don't like the way that pricing goes with the marlins you know so it's hard to say i'm going to take a bad team and make money with them when they're not priced necessarily like a bad team should be um they don't have jazz isn't at the current time, I think Jazz Chisholm's return to the lineup could boost the offense, which has been a little bit dormant lately. Um, you know, they're kind of one of those tweeners, and baseball's played in 10 to 15 game segments anyway. If you get a bad team that's good for 10 to 15 games, make a lot of plus money. Get them that's bad, you lose some plus money, but overall, you're making because you're plus all the time. Yeah, when you're if you go 500 at plus prices, you can make mm-hmm. a small fortune betting MLB. Much more with Rob Vino coming up after the break. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rob Vino is not a nine-times-up-to-the-buffet guy. I used to be. Wait, my, my first year in Vegas, Rob, I used to go to the uh, the buffet, and I would go like late lunch, like one one thirty two, and I'd say I'd, I'd eat uh, I'd eat lunch, and then I'd kind of stick around and eat dinner, <laughs> and that was like the big meal uh, for the day. The bachelor life that first year before Kara moved out here with me. Uh, I did a lot of that at the buffet. Were you ever a buffet guy in Vegas, um, or, or not as much? Yeah, I think when we first moved there, Nance and I were both buffet people. Um, we got tricked in the beginning, right? You go through and you take all the stuff they want you to take. You don't realize what's at the end of the table when you first. So they get all the suckers fast. But you learn quick how to how to operate a buffet for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's how they get you. You know, don't don't eat the bread. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're, we're talking about some bad teams in MLB, and I was saying I like to focus on the bad teams more than the good teams at this time of the year. The good teams are always going to be priced. We'll talk about the Yankees in a minute uh, when it comes to good teams. But if you can find a bad team to fade consistently, there's money to be made. And some of these teams are going to play be dead teams uh, down the stretch and really play bad baseball. If you find a bad team that's playing 500 ball or better, you make a fortune with these squads. So... We were talking about the Royals and the Tigers. We were talking about the Marlins, uh, the D-backs. How about the Pirates? The Pirates are a team that uh, you mentioned to me during the break that kind of stood out to you as a squad you wanted to talk about. Is Pittsburgh young and excited and ready to win some games over the back half? Are are we going to make money with the Pirates? I think we possibly can, Teddy, because that young core – um, we're we're going to get effort out of them, and that's all you're looking for. You're looking for their best effort. But since the O'Neill Cruz call up, and you look at guys like Sawinski, the home runs that he's been hitting, and Brian Hayes, who's in his second year, um, the Chavis, they, they've just got a bunch of guys right now, everyday players, that take the field thinking they can win. I wish they had a little more starting pitching, no question about it. Um, but I think when you have a youthful team like that that has overall talent, they're going to make some mistakes. And, again, when we talk about these teams, Teddy, we, we, the baseball is just its played. There's so many games that it is played in segments. What you say today about a team 
if you and I come back on next Friday, we could be saying the exact opposite about a team. I try to take these teams in like 10 to 12 games first. Who's playing well now? Who's not playing well now? And again, you catch the Pirates, and we saw them in a good spurt. Make a lot of money plus price. And then you see them, you know, the pitching goes south for a little bit, and, you know, the plus money isn't clicking for you. But I think overall, that's a team second half I would look for. We'll see what they do with the deadline. This trade deadline is going to dictate a lot of stuff for a lot of teams. And I think one that you could probably just hammer into the ground right now as a team you want to fade uh, from here on out would be Cincinnati. Cincinnati's probably going to get rid of their two best starting pitching assets, which are Taylor Molly and Luis Castillo. I'm sure they go before the trade deadline. And uh, Cincinnati right now is a bad baseball team to begin with. No bullpen, inconsistent hitting, and if they get rid of their t- top two starters. Hunter Green, their uh, phenom, hasn't really panned out. On the Pirates, fading the Reds. And, of course, you know, Pittsburgh – in the last, the course of the last ten days, they were on the wrong end of a 19 to two loss. They were on the wrong end of a 16 and nothing loss. That wasn't the only time they got shut out. They're also held to one run during that span as well. And you still made money with the Pirates over the last ten games. A bunch of money, despite the 19 to two and the 16 to nothing and the shutout loss and the one run loss and all of that. Uh, so it speaks volumes about the underdog price tag that you can find in MLB on teams that aren't attracting a whole lot of betting market support. The uh, Seattle Mariners, are actually they're, no, they're 500 now. Uh, they're a team that has made me money in recent weeks and a team that I think will continue to make me money over the back half of the campaign. Seattle last year, their, uh, their uh, advanced metrics weren't very good, and all they did after the All-Star break was make me money and more money and more money. I think they're an undervalued commodity again this year. And the Texas Rangers are a team that intrigues me as a potential bet on team. Also from the AL West, Texas, with more quality young starting pitching than I expected in a lineup that has some potential. Are you with me? Mariners bet on, Rangers bet on, or not so much? I'm with you on both of those. Um, Seattle, from that standpoint, Teddy, I just look at the starting pitching. Gonzalez, Kirby, Gilbert, Robbie Ray, who's throwing well. That's a pretty good front four. Um, And then the bullpen has been real good. Ken Giles has come back to throw well. Diego Castillo, Eric Swanson's been uh, terrific. So I think pitching-wise, really, really good. And maybe Seattle underachieved early on. Texas, I agree with you. Marcus Simeon started to heat up. And I think Texas could be profitable. And in that AL West, of course, the team, one more year, were the Angels. Joe Madden obviously was not the problem. But, um, you know, the Angels are just a mess right now. You don't want to, And they're a team that gets priced as a good team. And they're a bad team. And if they get rid of Noah Syndergaard, who's on a one-year contract, um, they'll be even worse. So I think against the Angels on Texas, especially on Seattle. Seattle could make a playoff push for real here. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, the Mariners are absolutely a one-way team right now. And you made a great point about how you look at things in a week span or a 10-day span or a two-week span. You're not looking at the whole season because this is a point I, I make a lot, but it's an important point. And that's why I, I feel like I've said it 100 times on the show. I'll say it 100 more. We are not politicians. We are allowed to flip-flop. A team might be playing very well, and then they're not playing as well. And then you're going to flip-flop on that team, maybe betting against them instead of betting on them. That's what you're supposed to do to be a successful sports better. The opinion you had about a team last week. Now, you don't want to flip-flop every day. 
All right, oh, bet on, oh, no, bet against, oh, bet on, unless you have a great read on a team. And if you have a read like that on a team, just bet that team. <laughs> uh, or you're betting on them and bet against them. But in general, flip-flopping in MLB or in any sport is something you're going to have to do. Sometimes you're going to be wrong about some opinions. you got to say, hey, I was wrong. I'm going to not throw good money after bad. Three last teams that we haven't talked about. The Cubs, the Rockies, the Nets. Anything to like about any of them? Or are these teams all going to be, uh, you know, 90, 100 lost teams when all said and done? I think the Rockies are easy. They're a home and away team. They've been that way forever. Um, so that, that's kind of an easy one. The Nationals, I, you know, Teddy, I, I'm not running with any balloons and banners for the Nationals right now. The offense can, at times, in small stretches, again, like we've talked about, the offense may be able to carry them through some small stretches. But the pitching is abysmal for the most part. Um, third team was the Cubs. And it just looks like the Cubs are tearing it down to start again. I'm not so sure what to make of the Cubs. Uh, the offense is not very good. When they do win, it's very, very low scoring. Um, I'm not really interested in them at, uh, from a positive or negative approach. I think I'm kind of like Switzerland with the Cubs right now. We'll see what they do at the trade <laughs> deadline. But it seems to me like they've got a couple of bullpen commodities that will go and make them worse in the back end from, uh, you know, end of July, early August, where Michael Givens and David Robertson, two guys that I would see all the playoff contenders hunting down and making trades for, which would, you know, just put Chicago further into the rebuild. Sure. And, of course, when you talk about bullpens, there's nothing more important when you're talking about bad teams than bullpens. And the Cincinnati Reds, you talk about it's bet against all the way. I mean, you see it every... Every other day for Cincy, you know, oh, they're tied in the 10th. Oops, they lose by five. <laughs> you know, bad bullpens will kill you. Whereas you look at Baltimore and Seattle, the two teams we've been talking about betting on, look at their bullpen numbers. Consistent, solid, getting outs in the latter stages. Pay attention to those bullpens as you're betting, looking to bet on or against these bad teams. Tired pens, weak pens, they remain bet against. Effective pens, they become bet on. Let's talk about the Yankees. You know, a team that is, you know, went 56 and 20 their first 76. Now they're only 4 and 3 <laughs> their last 7. Uh, but you're talking about a team that's played, what, 720, 725 baseball this year. One, will they win the World Series? Two, will they get to the World Series? Three, can we make money betting on them? Four, can you make money betting against them? Well, to make money on them, they got to keep winning at this pace, right? Because they're so expensive, rightfully so at this point in time. I mean, they seem to have all the pieces. In a short playoff series, Teddy, I would be a little bit concerned. I don't know that the starting pitching holds up for the Yankees all the way through that rotation. I think you even see some chinks in the Nestor Cortez armor right now. Um, so, you know, behind Garrett Cole, I don't know. To me, it's a little bit questionable. I think maybe teams could get to them. But the bullpen's been great. I don't know. They uncovered Clay Holmes. Been tremendous. I just, you know, there's such chalk. I don't think I would lean that way. I think I'm trying to nitpick more um, more negatives than I'm finding positives with the Yankees as far as winning the World Series is concerned. As for the time being, they're kind of like the Dodgers. If you're going to play them, and the Dodgers do cover run lines. I mean, they, they've won by two or more runs in Somewhere around 85%, maybe more of their games this year. But those two teams are so expensive. Money line, day in, day out. you got to find a way to play them run line. Both very, very good teams. Both could end up in the World Series for sure. 
Sure, and, and of course, you know, when you talk about the the price tag being attached to the Yankees and the Dodgers, I don't do a lot yeah. with the best teams in any sport. You know, I don't do a lot with the, the the super elite teams in the NBA or in the NFL or in MLB or in college football because they're priced appropriately. What you're what I'm looking for are teams that are priced incorrectly. You don't see that from the right. elite squads uh, in any sport. So last question I'm going to ask you, Rob, and then I'll let you promote yourself and uh, get out of here. But if you're picking, uh, let's call it a final four. Give me a final four for MLB this year. Who are going to be the last two teams standing in the American League and the last two teams standing in the National League? You know, I think in the American League, as we sit today, Teddy, it's hard to doubt the Yankees in Houston at this point in time. They both have the ingredients. I think if you're looking for a long shot or two on that side, I would say Boston when Chris Sale and Nady Evaldi come back have potential. I would think I would expect a push out of the White Sox uh, down the stretch. It may be a team I get a little friendly with. Um, love the Twins lineup, but I think the White Sox probably get a push. On the other side, I'm a big fan of the Mets. Uh, so I think the Mets will get there. And, again, it's hard to argue against the Dodgers. Milwaukee has certain components that are good, but I don't think they're good enough. So I would say, you know, again, that's all chalk, right? Yankees, Houston, Mets, Dodgers. I think if you're going to see a surprise, maybe it comes out of the American League in the form of either Boston, Minnesota, or White Sox, one of those three. But um, otherwise, for today, I'm going to say all chalk with those four. So uh, Seattle's not getting there. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I think they can compete for it, but I don't think they match up enough with these with the powerhouse teams. Houston's got a lot. See, Houston is surprising to me this year, Teddy. I don't know how you rated them coming in, but I didn't think they were going to be this good. And when you go over, and maybe it's because I didn't think Verlander was going to come back the way he did. But uh, they've got the starting, they've got the relieving, and they've got He's the He's been a monster, Rob. Uh, an absolute monster. Listen, buddy, I, I want to make sure you got time to promote yourself. you got about 30 seconds left. What, where can people find you? Very quickly on Twitter, it's pretty easy, at Rob Vino Sports. That's Vino with an E, at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. If you want to find all my work on a daily basis, go to wagertalk.com. Just drop your email address there. You'll get free access to all the video content we do as a company each and every day. If you like selection packages, mine are available there at wagertalk.com. Great stuff from Rob Vino, breaking down the world of MLB as we approach the All-Star break. We come back. You already know who I'm betting tomorrow, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Reminder... There will be no shows the next two weekends. I'm taking a vacation. And when I get back, it's football season. So uh, tomorrow, the last show before my little summer break, and we'll be back uh, before July is through. But there will be no shows, no Cover It With Teddy Covers for the next two weeks. If you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and re-listen, you want to download and consume at your convenience, just check out Cover It with Teddy Covers, available for download at any and all major and minor podcast outlets. We've got basically every show that I've ever done 
for the Sports Grid Radio Network. Archived there as well. You can download and make fun of me for any bad opinion I've had ever. Uh, but uh, wherever you download your podcast, check out Cover It with Teddy Coverage. You can download this show. You can download tomorrow's show. You can download anything from the archives. You already know who I'm going to talk about in MLB for tonight, okay? It's not the game where there's a lot of late-night West Coast action on Saturday for whatever reason. Uh, the games are earlier uh, today, but there is one in the American League and one in the National League that go late tonight. I'm going to talk about the one in the American League with Toronto at Seattle. Of course, Manoa's on the hill uh, for the Blue Jays. And Manoa's their ace, right? He's always getting priced as a favorite. That's why Toronto is chalk again in this ballgame, despite the fact they've been ice cold and Seattle's been red hot. Seattle got Ty France off the injured list, so they're getting healthier. Their bullpen is fresh. Toronto playing their 17th game in 16 days without a day off. They are not fresh. I'm not buying even for a minute that the Jays should be the favorites against the Seattle Mariners on Saturday night. Two teams headed in opposite directions right now, and I'm getting a plus price with a hotter team at home against the Manoa, who's, by the way, just 6-6 six and six in his last 12 starts and got rocked by the A's last time out. That's always a bad sign. Yeah, give me the Mariners at a plus price on Saturday night. And there's your bettable opinion for this evening. Hey, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang with me on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Again, we'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow the show is all about football with Mark Lawrence. Enjoy the games and good luck. Yeah.